Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. It's good to sing to the Lord. It's a blessing to have people to sing with, um, even if we struggle through it. It's all right. It's a, it's a blessing. So uh, just some announcements. My family, some of you have asked where they are. I told Miss Pat that on the way here, I got tired of it, and I dropped them off in the median, told them to get out, and I don't need them anymore. Uh, it would never happen. My wife is like gold. Or she's, she's, she is more precious than rubies. And I love my children. So uh, it would never happen. You know, somebody asked me one time, what would you do if your she would never do this. We said, what would you do if your wife cheated on you? I'd start a prison ministry. <laughs> but I, I, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. She is a... A wonderful wife and mother. Um, Adrian and Bethany just randomly last night came down with a fever. Uh, they don't have any other symptoms. They both just have high fevers. So um, Kristen nursed them through the night just to see how they did. But this morning they still had fevers. So we thought it'd be best, especially with this beautiful weather, to leave them at home. Um, remember on December 24th, we're going to have... Um, our, our evening service will be a, a church meeting where we talk about uh, the future and direction of the church and, um, you know, just try to get some idea on what, where we're going to go in 2024 together. Yeah. Amen. Miss Pat's excited. Nobody else is. All right. So continue to uh, pray for a pianist or song leader. As you see, we need it. <laughs> and then um, my wife is feeling sociable. I don't know why. So on December 31st, she would like to invite everyone to our home, not for New Year's. You're not staying at midnight, so don't even. But after the evening service, you know, maybe go home and rest for a while and come back. Maybe we have a fire going or something after. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the times and try to announce that. So anyone who would like to come, again, you're welcome. If you don't want to come, we'll talk about you when you're not there. I'm not going to say whether it'd be good or bad. I'm just saying we'll, we'll talk about you. Uh, but no, it'd be, it'd be a blessing to have you over. Many of you helped clean our, our home and um, 
try and get it in shape for us to move into. And uh, we've, we've done quite a bit of work on it since then. And so when you come, you won't recognize the kitchen at all. It doesn't look anywhere near the same. Um, and, and so I'm hoping to have more done by then, but we'll see. There's a lot going on, and my brain is so scattered. I have so many things to do that, that I, I, I try to touch every one of them every day and get none of them done. So, <laughs> um, so there's just a lot going on, but we'll see. Uh, in its current state, you wouldn't even recognize it, so that, that'll be all right. You'll hopefully enjoy that, and so everyone is welcome that would like to come. Now, I am boring. So, you know, I told my wife, you better come up with something for these people to do because they're not going to want to come and just watch me sit on the couch and read books or <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I got a lot of them. She's, she, my wife likes to do that kind of stuff. She likes to play games and things. So, so sometimes we go places and do sociable things for her. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> but... It'll be fun. So, um, any testimonies this morning? Amen. Amen. He, that, that he has. Absolutely. Anybody else? Well, I'm also thanking for my salvation and for the, the, the new direction the church is going in and Amen. people coming. <laughs> Amen. That, that has been a tremendous blessing. Um, uh, it's been exciting to see. We've had some, you know, quite a few new faces coming. I mean, it's, it's, it really has, the Lord's been very good to us here. So, amen. Amen. I bet. Amen. I bet. Well, then you, you get the heart monitor off, but all the electronics gave you cancer. So... <laughs> No, um, no. I'll be happy for you to be able to get past all that. I, I hope this time they'll be able to give you some direction on what's going on. So hopefully it gives them the information they need. You know, this, this is the thing. This is what Jesus said. Raise your hand if you believe in Jesus. Amen. Everybody. All right, good. Everybody believes in Jesus. Jesus said, they that are sick need the physician. Right? Not the herbal doctor, not the witch doctor, not the the southern Mississippi version of the witch doctor, you need a physician. Now, then, he, then, then we're introduced to a woman in the Bible who saw a physician for years and they couldn't cure her, her, her situation. Uh, that doesn't mean that they have all the answers. Um, now, we are blessed to live in a country with medical facilities that are pretty good. If you don't believe me, come with me back to Africa when I go. I'll take you to the doctor and let you be seen. There, there's a, so people, there, there's two types of doctors in Uganda. There, there are the people who have been medically trained, and then there are the people in the village who have not been medically trained. They have all the herbal medicines and the, and the old wives' tales and all that stuff, and, and that's how they operate on you. And so here's an example of something that they do. Um, in Uganda, so it started, I read the history of it, and, and um, I talked about it on a podcast at one time, but, but um, it started in somewhere around South Sudan, Ethiopia, and that region, and it spread down into Uganda and made its way all the way down to Rwanda and even over to, to Congo. Um, what, 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 they, what happens is you have a newborn baby, and when the baby starts teething, 
And you know, as, as the baby goes through the teething process, it has a fever and it get, has discomfort and all these things going on because it, those teeth are breaking through. Well, they think those soft deposits in their gums that eventually harden and become teeth, they think those are worms and that you have to get them out. So they, they take, and this is not all Ugandans, but the, it's still deeply inbred in, in the minds of the people there. And so we had a couple there who every time, they are, terror, they are petrified that those worms have to come out because if those worms explode in their gums, it will kill the baby in their mind. So they don't go to a medical doctor in town, the physician. They go to a doctor in the village who will use a bicycle spoke, a razor blade, but whatever piece of metal he can sharpen and will cut the tooth out of the baby's gums. And they don't realize it. That means the adult will not take that Well, they, they come back, but many, you'll, you'll see many people in East Africa who are missing certain teeth because they did not come back. Yeah. All right, so so it, 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 it does happen that they do end up missing teeth. And, and again, this is not all Ugandans. On the other side of that scale, you have Ugandans who so trust in the medical community that they do everything they say and take their children and their family to the doctor every time there's a sniffle. And so they're loaded with vaccines and loaded with medication and loaded with all these things. And again, look, it, I'm not anti-vaccine. Vaccines have done some incredible things for the world. But you should take your time and make your decision about what, you know, how you're going to handle those things. It shouldn't be forced upon you, and I don't think you should just rush your child up to the doctor and let them pump them full of vac vaccinations. So. You know, we have two type of doctors here. Oh, boy. The W-O and the D-R. What, and what's the W-O? Right, they do the same thing as the other doctor does, but they extend it to uh, use, uh, but, well, it's, it's like a different uh, type of plants and things like that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there, there are some, um, the idea with, and, and again, none of this, open your Bible to Romans 1. Miss, Miss, Miss Pat's going to hold me up again this morning. I'll blame her. Um, a lot of the, the herbal or natural medicines um, are good for you before you get sick. They usually don't help you after you get sick. <laughs> All right, so a lot of it is, you know, a lot of what you need to do is preventative. Uh, but if you get sick, and, and this is going back to Brother Hoyt and, and Miss Kathleen and all they've been through the past few weeks with doctors trying to figure out what's going on with them, uh, Jesus said, if you're sick, you need a physician. So you want to get the best physician who can do the best job to try and figure out what's going on. But we also know from the Bible that they may or may not be able to figure out what's going on. So the, the, the thing to do from there or, or along the way, every step along the way, is to go to the great physician in prayer. So uh, we, we, we always need God's intervention no matter how good your medical equipment is and, and to handle things that way. So um, anyways, any more testimonies before we get started? Yes, sir.
Amen. Isn't that a blessing? I mean, that is, it's never too late to trust in Jesus Christ. And, and it's, it's always important to trust in Jesus Christ. So that is a tremendous blessing. He called me that night, and I, he was, I could tell he was broken on the phone. I was like, oh, no, what happened? <laughs> and uh, he was just excited to tell me what happened with his wife, which is a tremendous blessing. Something else to pray about, um, Brother Nathan has put his name on the line for me. She doesn't know whether that was a good idea or not. But he really has gone out of his way to tell the people where he works about me. And, and uh, there's a couple of opportunities possibly for me to end up getting a job. Uh, I, I enjoy being free to be able to be here and to be with my family and, and you know, to study and to do all the things that I like to do. Uh, but moving here really costs a lot. And I am responsible to take care of my family. And so until we get things moving in a more stable direction, uh, it, it might be a blessing to have one of these opportunities. So if you would pray about that. Also, I would use a good portion of it to help get rid of the church debt. So it's got to go. I don't want it. So, um, so it would help facilitate all of that. It helped me take care of my family. It helped me take care of the church debt and help us get settled and established. And then maybe a few years down the road, I can ruin his name by telling everybody I quit and walk. No, no, I wouldn't do that. I would do it very carefully if the time came. But um, realistically, I mean, we're, we're probably, I mean, we're renting a home right now. We don't have a home. I would prefer we were buying a home. I mean, there's, there's a lot that needs to be done to help my family get established. And I mean, we don't plan to go anywhere. Um, so Brother Hoyt called me. I think he asked me, you know, if I planned to stay long term. And I told him that it would take dynamite for you to get me out. So I hope you really wanted me here. <laughs> Amen. All right. Romans chapter 1. Let's read verses 1 through 7 together. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead." By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the, these verses are loaded with so much information. Um, you know, I, I, I intend to take our time going through the book of Romans, but... Uh, some areas it may be a little bit faster, and some areas we just have to take our time and go through it because it's so it's so loaded with information that we need to talk about it, and it's it's doctrinally uh, pertinent, and 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 it has so many uh, it just it just helps to build such a strong foundation that we need to go through it. And, and when you're looking through this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, that comma. At the end of that verse, if you, if you look at this, look at the end of verse 1, it ends with a comma, right? End of verse 2 ends with a comma. End of verse 3 ends with a semicolon. End of verse 4 ends with a colon. End of verse 5 ends with a colon. End of verse 6 ends with a colon. Verse 7 ends with a period. 
That means verses 1 through 7 is one sentence. And it's all connected, but the, the commas and the colons and the semicolons demonstrate to us that, that all these individual ideas are required to give you the big picture. And so if you're missing any part of it, you're missing part of the picture and, and you're going to lack an understanding. So we want to take our time and go through it and make sure that we, that we gain a good understanding of it all. And then when you see what's being said, we're introduced to Paul and he immediately brings us to the gospel. Well, what about this gospel? It was promised before by the prophets and the Holy Scriptures. It's about his son, who? God. The gospel of God, it's about his son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David. So he came from David according to the flesh. He didn't come from David according to the spirit. He was the eternal word who, who, who pre-existed David, uh, but, but when he came into the world. And Jesus said, why does David call me Lord? <laughs> you know, if I came after David, why is he calling me Lord? And that was one of the arguments he had with the Pharisees, and they're just looking at him like, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and they often didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, but he, he's alluding to the fact that he is the eternal God, but that he came into the world through the seed of David, through the lineage of David, when he took on a body of flesh. And then in verse 4, and declared. Okay, so... We already he already told us the gospel is concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. But then he takes it a step further. Because I, I can come right now and tell you I'm the son of God. And what will that mean? <laughs> Nothing. Well, I, I have been made a son of God through Jesus Christ, but I am not the son of God. All right. The, the words written in this book are about Jesus Christ. Christ. Now, if he came and said, I'm the son of God, and he wasn't the son of God, then he's some crazy person that we've all been following for a long time. But that's not the case. It, it takes it further. He was not just the son of God, verse 4, and declared to be the son of God with power. <laughs> all right, so he didn't just say, I'm the son of God. Okay, well, show it. And then later he says, well, believe on, believe on me for the work's sake. I have shown you, I have given you everything you need to see with power that I am the son of God. That's who I am. And, and so uh, he's declared to be the son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. What declared him to be the son of God with power? the resurrection from the dead. You don't know anybody else who's done that. All right? People say all the time, it's so weird. I died and I, uh, I, I went to heaven and I saw God. Well, that's odd because the Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. So how do you get to die multiple times? All right? Now, there were some supernatural you know, there were some people who in a supernatural way got to come back from death, Lazarus being one. There are just a few people in the Bible where God said, no, bring them back. <laughs> and, and so they came back, and so they got to die tw twice. But generally speaking, for me and for you, you're going to die once. And either you are prepared for that death or you're not. You want to make sure you're prepared. It is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. If you're prepared, you'll, you'll depart from the body and you will forever be with the Lord. If you're not prepared, you're going to lift up your eyes in hell being in torment. 
Make sure, prepare to meet thy God. Everybody likes to say that. Makes a great slogan, looks good on a sign and a poster. But but how are you going to prepare? What are you doing? How, How will you escape if you neglect so great salvation? What will you do? You're going you're to go to hell. That's what you're going to do. All right, so, so make sure you're prepared. And then it, it, verse 5, by whom we, so then, then he turns this to us. So, so now th- those several verses about Jesus Christ. Now, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, now there's some things built into that for us. And so by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So, so he goes into finishing out the introduction to the chapter. But the, the major portion of it is about who Jesus Christ is. Then he switches to the benefits for me and for you because we have, we have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and then he goes on with the letter, and and it becomes a bit more personable um, after that. Now, this morning, if you come back to verse 3, concerning his son, that's what we're going to look at this morning. And now, again, I I know some of these, everybody knows, some of it is, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're so familiar with it that some people might struggle to sit through a sermon about it, like we already know this. Why are you preaching this to us again? But I don't ever want to take for granted that everyone sitting in front of me knows. You have no idea. You know, in our church, there was a woman who sat in our church for years who was an atheist. And nobody, only a few people in the church knew that she was an atheist. And she, she sat in church, was a very nice lady, did, did fine, and just... We don't know why she was there. Like, what, what, why are you coming here? Do you just need a social club? or what? Why would you come to this church, of all churches? I mean, there are lots of churches who are far more on the sociable side than our church. And so, you know, I, I, we don't know what our intent was and all that. But, but you don't want to just assume everybody understands. What if a Jehovah's Witness walks in here and sits down? They don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, what if somebody who's trying to get out of that wants some clarity? They don't believe, they don't know that he's the son of God. That Islam doesn't believe he's the son of God. All right, so there are a lot of people in this world who need to know this and need to hear this. And for you, I'll just stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. How about that? Amen. All right. Again, Miss Pat's excited, nobody else. All right. The gospel of God is an essential doctrine in the Christian life. Without the gospel, we have no access to the power of God that provides salvation. Right? Now, what, what completes the gospel, what makes it what it is, are the basic elements. And, and the foundation of those basic elements is that Je- it's about Jesus Christ. Well, then you've got to define who is this Jesus we're trusting in. Now, I don't think if you're witnessing to somebody and you're trying to give them the gospel... You don't need to just explain every single detail of the Christian life to them before they can trust in the gospel. I don't think that's the point. That's not how it was done in the Bible. Uh, sometimes they, they, sometimes the Apostle Paul, when he's dealing with Gentiles who didn't have an understanding of who God was, he said, there's a creator. That creator sent a savior, and you need to trust in that savior. He died for your sins. 
And that, that was the basics of it. Now, if he was dealing with Jews or religious people, then he would go all the way back to Abraham and then, and then come through the Jewish history and bring you all the way up to David, then all the way up to John the Baptist, and then say that John is pointing you to Jesus. And then he would go through the whole... Peter did the same thing. Peter, um, I think, either, either this morning or in this afternoon, we're going to look at a verse where Peter is preaching, and, and he said that he's talking to the Jews, and he said, I'm, I'm here to preach to you about Jesus, who you slew. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> way to be gentle, Peter. <laughs> just going to throw that in our face. <laughs> uh, so it, it just, the gospel is about Jesus Christ. He, it, it is foundational to what we believe. It is foundational to who we are. If you're going to be part of, of us, whatever us is, it's through the body of Christ. Well, how do you get in the body of Christ? Well, you need a Baptist bride preacher to come and give you and water baptize you, and then he will put you in the body of Christ. No, no. no. you got to trust in Jesus Christ. It, it, your faith in Jesus Christ will put you in the body of Christ and make you a member of the body. Hopefully a functioning member of the body. Anybody here want a body part to just stop functioning? Okay, then you don't get to be a dysfunctional member of the body either. All right, you wouldn't want your body to treat you that way. Don't treat God's body that way. You've got to be a productive member of the body. That's, that's, everybody's got a ministry. Everybody has to do something to help the body of Christ move along and get the gospel into all the world. But it all starts with the gospel. The gospel is concerning Jesus Christ. It was promised before. It's all about Jesus Christ. But who is Jesus Christ? He's the Son of God, which means he is God. And now people struggle with that. Well, just because he's the Son of God doesn't mean he is God. When was, the, when was the last time you had it? You saw a duck produce a squirrel? Anybody? All right, so if a duck has a baby, what is it? It's a duck. <laughs> All right, so if God has a son, what is he? He's God. All right, now, that, 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 that we're, talking, we're, we're comparing it to biological terms, and the Bible does that. It, it uses different types of relationships to illustrate this relationship, the marriage relationship, you know, a, a, having a child. I mean, different things to demonstrate it. But the reality is these are titles given to the three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, well, he, didn't, he doesn't have a wife, and he didn't go through a physical relationship to produce a child. But he is the father. God the son. All right, now, he's the son because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and brought into the world and was made manifest in a body of flesh. Not because God the father had a son out in eternity somewhere. <laughs> All right, so we're not talking about a literal biological father and a literal biological son. We're talking about God the Father, who is one person of the Godhead, God the Son, who is another person of the Godhead, and the Holy Spirit. All right, all three are required to have the one true and living God. You can't, you can't have God without one of them. You, you would have an incomplete God. All right, you can't do that. All right, so Jesus Christ is the Son of God, which means that He is God. He is deity. He is the Word. He is eternal. But He chose, He volunteered to move into a body of flesh, which He didn't have to do. He could have said, I don't care about those people. They hate me. They sin against me. They don't want anything to do with me. Just leave them to their destiny. <laughs> but He didn't do that. 
He chose to take this position as the son and to come into the world and do that which pleases the father voluntarily. And he's just as much God as God as the father is. But he took this place of subjection so that he could accomplish eternal salvation as the son of God. That, that, that's a tremendous blessing. So this morning, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is the son of God. And we'll look at the implications that come from that. Okay, it's, it's important to know that Jesus is the son of God. You should know that. All right, and, I, and I, I have no doubt that everybody here probably believes that and knows that already. But we're going to see it. As, as we go. But what I want you to see as we read these verses, we're going to go through several verses. As we read these verses, I want you to see what that means. It's not, it's not enough to just know Jesus is the son of God. Because he's the son of God, there are implications that are important for me and for you because we have trusted in the son of God. And, and we want to see that as we go. And so, uh, you know, that we see that first of all here in verse 3. Look at verse 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Now, that, this verse establishes what, what I'm trying to say. The gospel is the starting point. Paul says, I, I serve in the gospel of his Son. Okay, so in order, in order to begin to live the Christian life, in order to begin moving in the right direction, it starts with the gospel. All right, now, after you're saved, you just became a newborn babe in Christ. Well, what does a baby know about living life, about living the Christian life? Nothing. And, 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 and you, should, if, you should adopt that idea. I don't know what I'm doing. I need God's help. What do I do? How do I do it? You know, our son, he's our youngest son, he, he learned to walk pretty quickly. Now, Bethany is the clumsiest child in the world. She falls over everything. She trips over everything. She doesn't pay attention. She'll just take off and run right into the wall. It's like, turn around and look before you go. Pay attention. Now, Adrian, Adrian, from a child... If he wanted to sit on this bench, he would go like this. He would back up real slow until he fills it, and then he would sit down real careful. And we're like, who, who taught you that? <laughs> Where did you get? And why didn't Bethany get some of that? Now, now Bethany got all the brains. I mean, she didn't get all the brains. Adrian is really smart, but Bethany is uh, on a whole nother level. We're going to struggle with keeping that child's brain stimulated Real soon, right? But she's as clumsy as can be and falls all over the place and has, she has that long, lanky body and has to learn how to use it. She doesn't know what she's doing. Now, Adrian has learned to be a little more careful. He still has no idea what he's doing, right? It, 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 just because you, you, he's doing a little bit better in that area, he's still a clumsy little boy who's growing into a body and doesn't know, doesn't know what to do with it. I, we constantly have to tell them, don't touch that. I've told you 10 times. Don't touch that. Why aren't you getting it? Because there are dumb children who don't know anything. Right? And they have to learn. They have to be taught boundaries. They have, to, they have to understand that I can go this far, but if I go past that, then um, we're, we're going to have to administer some you know, pain to the seat of knowledge and, and help them to understand you don't go that far. 
You don't do that. Right? They, 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 we, they, they have to be quiet. They can't just be loud and shouting and screaming and running all over the place. We, we were out to eat the other night, and um, this lady was sitting there. She was on her phone, wholly given to her phone. And her three- or four-year-old daughter was climbing in the chair, out of the chair, roaming around, running around, opening the door, going outside, coming back in. And the lady just, hey, hey, come here. And never got up, never paid any attention to the child. All right? Now, what that is is an ignorant child who will remain ignorant because nobody taught her. She doesn't even know that she needs to be taught. And she's going to stay that way and remain that way because nobody took the time to build her up. Now, here's the problem with the, with the newborn babe in Christ. They're often adults. <laughs> and how you tell an adult, you need to learn, you, you need to act like a baby and let me teach you. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I, I, I get all that. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not trying to insult you. You may be an, an unbelievably accomplished person in life, but... But you just became a dumb baby. <laughs> and now we need to nourish you and build you up and help you and direct you. Right? And so the gospel is the starting point for that. I believe the gospel. Great. Now your sins are forgiven. Your soul is saved. You have been made able to live the Christian life. Now will you let somebody teach you to do it is the question. And if you're not going to let somebody teach you to do it, you're going to be the child running all over the place causing problems because you don't even realize how ignorant you are, though you may have all the potential in the world. If you don't let somebody discipline you and direct you and help you, you're going to be a problem. And I don't want to be a problem. I don't want to have problems. I hate problems. I just dump them all on Miss Kathleen and let her take care of them. You know, she's a really capable lady. <laughs> Anyways, Romans 5. Let's look at another one. Let's, let's see what the implications of this are. Um, Romans 5, verses 8 through 11. Verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I wasn't even born yet. And God said, yeah, but you were, you were going to be a sinner. <laughs> well, you don't know. Maybe I would have come out different. No. <laughs> no. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I said, God, you can't write that. Everybody hasn't been, de- hasn't been born yet. Yeah, I can write it. <laughs> Everybody that's going to be born is going to be a sinner. For all have sinned. Well, Lord, but there's billions of people who haven't been born yet. They're going to be sinners. Right? Nobody's excluded. And, 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 and again, in Uganda, this is a common problem. You'll talk to somebody, you ask them, are you a sinner? No. Come on, man. What do you mean, no? Yes, you are. No, I'm not a sinner. Well, have you ever told a lie? Well, just one time. Just one time? All right, well, that one time counts. You're a sinner, all right? And you're lying about it, you liar. And so, and so, People, they, they struggle because it's, it's a very, it's a culture where in your face they want to please you. So they don't want to say anything negative about themselves or about you in your face. Now behind your back, they could care less what you think or what you're going to do. If you leave them for five minutes, they're, they're, they're not going to do anything they said they were going to do. And so in your face, they're going to try and please you. Oh, no, I'm not a sinner. You're probably not a sinner either. They're going to try and put us on the same level and, and talk about us as though we uh, live in this as this elite class of people. And so then we have to break them down and give them the bad news. They like, know you're a sinner. And, 
and you're not going to convince me you're not. And not only that, if you, if you don't get this right, right now, you may not have another chance. Why would, you t- why would you toy with your soul in a country like Uganda, where in Kampala, they, they, they have these boda drivers, and a boda is what they call a motorcycle taxi. And in Kampala, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And that's probably still not enough to explain it. And they say that 10 of them die every day, at least, in Kampala alone. And, and, and my number may be off. It, uh, I, I want to say it, it was higher. But anyways, it's, it's, it's somewhere around 10 of them every day in one city in the country. That doesn't count the rest of the, of the country. And it's like, well, <laughs> they're not reducing. <laughs> like, there, there are still thousands and thousands and thousands of them. <laughs> it's just somebody just comes along and replaces them. As soon as it's, it's, it's one of the easiest ways to try and make a little bit of money in, in Africa. And, like, and so you're going to toy with your soul in a country where that's the dominant means of transportation. You don't know that you're going to be alive tomorrow. Even people who we, 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 we will reason with them. And in Uganda, one of the blessings in Uganda is they believe the Bible is the word of God. And so, so because they start from that predisposition, I can go straight to the Bible and show them this is what you say this is what the Bible says. And though they may not change their mind, they will admit that what they're saying is contrary to what the Bible says. And then some of them will come along and they'll say, man, I see what you're saying. I, I, I should get saved. Great. When are you going to get saved? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? You don't know what a day will be. You don't, have, you don't know that you have tomorrow. You don't know that you have five more minutes. Which makes me think you don't really understand what we just talked about. Well, I don't. I don't think you were following here. You're a sinner on your way to hell and you could step from this life to the next at any moment. And, and you're willing to just take that risk? Yeah, yeah, I'll come see you tomorrow. No, you won't. I've never had one person who said tomorrow, come and talk to me and say, I'm ready to get saved or I got saved or whatever. It just, it, 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 it never, never happened. But people toy with their lives in that way. And, and it's a foolish mistake to, to make. Um, look at, we only read one verse, verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, now listen to this, by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, do you, you see the significance of the death of the Son of God? You are, you are reconciled by his death. You are saved by his life. You're given eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now, reconciliation happens because Christ gave himself. He sacrificed himself on your behalf. He died on the cross for you. He shed his blood for your sin, not his own. He didn't have any. He took your sin into his body and died on the cross for us. Because of that death, we can be reconciled. But that's not enough. It's great to be reconciled, but that's not enough. He had to rise from the dead. And through his resurrection, we are given eternal life. 
right, if he died and, and we could be reconciled through his death, well, I mean, that's, that's part way there. But where are we going to get life from? But Christ rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, we can receive eternal life and spend eternity with God wherever he is. If it's in heaven, great. If it's somewhere else, great. <laughs> Jesus said, he didn't say, I'm taking you to go to heaven. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I return, I will take you unto me. I will take you to be with me. That's, that's the ultimate goal. That's what's going to happen. If we go to heaven and Jesus isn't there, it's, it's just going to be Mobile all over again. <laughs> it's it's going to be Loosedale all over again. I like Loosedale, but it doesn't compare to heaven. All right, so, so let's, let's stick with the whole heaven thing. All right, now, but it continues. All right, for, for if we were enemies, he reconciled us through his death, and then we're given life. But look at, if you look at the progression of this chapter, look at verse 11, and not only so. You see how it just keeps building, and it keeps building, and it keeps building, and God just keeps giving to those who trust in Jesus? And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. He paid for us. We can rejoice in God because we have been paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been reconciled by his death. We have been given eternal life by his life. And we rejoice in God because he, he paid the atonement. He made the payment. All right? And, and, and we rejoice in that. Now, all that was done by who? The Son of God. Who is the Son of God? Jesus Christ. Now, if a man named Jesus, all right, if the, Gandhi, if, if the Jesus that Gandhi believed in died on the cross, that wouldn't help you, it wouldn't help me. If the Jesus that Jehovah's Witnesses believe in or Islam believes in, if, 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 if it's the wrong Jesus, it doesn't help anybody. But if it's the Son of God, well, now, now we have a blessed hope to look forward to. Without that, without the fact that he is the son of God, we have nothing. It's, it's you are yet in your sins. <laughs> good luck. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> that's the only time luck, that's the only time you should tell somebody good luck. I think I'm going to die without my sins. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I'm not going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to take care of it myself. Well, let me know how that works out. Um, that's a failed mission. Don't do that. All right, I, I, I will do my best to drag you out, but ultimately, it's, it's up to you. If you don't choose Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you're, you're, you're going to lift up your eyes in hell. And, and that's going to be a, a bad day for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, and let's look at verses 4 through 9. Verse 4. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. You sound much. All right. So, so Hebrews says that by the grace of God, Christ suffered. So you understand the connection there. We, we love God's grace, right? A lot, of, a lot of churches major on God's grace. They talk about how gracious God is. Do you understand that grace is available because Christ suffered, otherwise we'd be subject to the wrath of God, period. There'd be no grace. But because, because there was a payment for all that man has done, God can say, I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to give him some time, let him figure it out, give him some space, 
and, and let them stumble through this and try to, and try to, try to figure this out. And so thank God for the, for the grace of God that comes by Jesus Christ. Verse 5, that in everything you are enriched, everything, by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right now, all of that is available to you. You've been enriched. You have the grace of God. You have this incredible future to look, look forward to because of the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and again, I, I can't remember if it's today. No, it's today. If we, if we get to it, if Miss Pat doesn't slow me down, um, we'll, we'll talk about in 1 John or in 1 John chapter 1, is, is, the whole book of 1 John is about our fellowship with God and how, how to have that fellowship. Now, it's often, what can be confusing about that book is it's often taught as a test of your salvation. That's, there are lots of books out there, lots of teaching out there that the book of 1 John, especially chapter 1, is, is a test of your salvation. Well, if it is, you fail, and you have no salvation. <laughs> so it's, it's not a test of your salvation. The word used repeatedly in chapter 1 is fellowship. It's, it's not about how to make sure you're saved. It's, it's, a, it's a chapter written to you to tell you how to have fellowship with God. You walk in the light. That's where God is. If you're walking in the darkness, guess who you don't have fellowship with? God. That does, has no bearing on your salvation. It's written to save people. The question is, are you an obedient child of God who's walking in the light? Or are you a disobedient child of God who's running off like a rebel in the darkness? God's not following you. You're supposed to follow him. He's not going to come chasing after you. You're supposed to go with him. And so you want to go run around in the darkness? Have at it. It's not fun to walk in the dark. <laughs> you stub a toe or trip over something. Well, the same thing's going to happen in life. I'm just going to live a little, you know, in the darkness. And this, and this is the beautiful thing about light and darkness. It's one or the other. You, you can't, you know, you can't have a dim light and, and try to act like you're living in the light. You're in darkness. You are either in the darkness or you are in the light. And so you want to make sure you're running to the light every step of the way, every second of the day, doing everything you can to live in the light. But all that available to it, that fellowship is available to us through his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and, and there's our, our phrase again that we've talked about numerous times. Jesus Christ, Lord. Jesus, he's a man. Christ, he's the Messiah. He's the King. Lord, he's God. That, that's who we believe in. That's who we trust in. The Son of God. Look at, um, look at John chapter 3. This is a great passage. When somebody trusts in Jesus Christ, when I'm dealing with somebody on the street and they they trust in Jesus Christ, uh, I always bring them to this passage after they trust in Jesus. And I, I walk them through this, and then I ask them, is this you? 
Who is, is this talking about you? Is it, does this apply to you? And you'll see it clicking in their head if they got saved, if, they, if it was true, if it was real, if, it, if they trusted in Jesus, their face lights up and they start smiling and they realize that is me. Right? And, 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 and then if they didn't, then they realize uh, the other side is them. And that's not good. Uh, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All right, that's, that's our contrast, right? Have you trusted in the son? If you have, you have everlasting life. If you have not, well, you're going to perish. And perish means going to hell. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, listen, listen to the contrast there. Christ didn't come to condemn the world. It's already condemned. It needs to be saved. He came to do the saving. He didn't come to do the condemning. All right. Now, the, the law demonstrates your condemnation. Are you a liar? Yes, you are. <laughs> God said, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. All right, so nobody escapes that test. You've all lied. That means you're, you're condemned. You're going to hell unless you have a Savior, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, that, that's verse 17. He says, I didn't come to condemn the world. The world is already condemned. He demonstrates that in verse 18. Look at verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Everybody see that? Now, but look at the next the next part of the verse, but he that believeth not is condemned already. <laughs> I don't need to come and condemn you. You're already condemned if you don't have Jesus Christ. If you've trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have escaped that condemnation and you have eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Now, this is what I always ask them. I, I, I'll, I'll say, okay, let's, let's look at verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. And I'll, I'll, I'll look at the person who just got saved and I'll say, is that you? And you just see it click in their head like, oh, I just trusted in Jesus. I'm not condemned. Now, if they're not sure or if they didn't trust in Jesus, then I'll go to the next part. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Is that you? And now... If they've trusted in Jesus, they'll say, no, that's not me. And, and you just see this joy and this happiness on their face. They're excited because they, they, it's clicking. I'm not going to hell. I have eternal life because I just trusted in Jesus Christ. And if they did not, if they're struggling, then, you know, we'll have to talk a little bit further. But verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were Evil For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And that's the hard part. Nobody wants to admit what they are. And God makes it so plain that they get mad at me when I show them. God says your throat is an open sepulcher. <laughs> well, that's not a nice thing to say. I didn't say it. God said it. You, you just think you're better than that and you're not. And if you don't receive that and accept that reality... I don't, I don't know how that you can be helped. I don't know how that you can be saved. And, and, and so some people are, they, they are strongly against that. And some people see it and say, all right, what do I do? Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And we'll read verses 11 through 21. Verse 11. And as the lame man, which was healed, 
held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and the, and the God of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son, Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Well, amen. This is going well. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they all just gave him a hug and thought, you know, thank you for the good pep talk. Verse 15, and killed the prince of life. What do you mean? <laughs> Why is that always people's answer? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? You killed the prince of life. You put him to death. You know exactly what you did. Uh, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. I saw you. <laughs> Peter's like, don't, don't tell me you weren't there. I saw you. I know you were there. You killed him. You killed the Son of God, the Holy One, the Just One. Verse 16, And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, uh, the faith which is by him, given him this perfection, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, does that sound familiar? That's exactly what Paul's talking about in Romans 1. All right? That Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. He's all right. So you, you didn't know what you were doing. You did it ignorantly, but you did it. And now you better repent and trust in, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, or, or you're, you're going to, I can't imagine what hell's going to be like for you. If there are levels to hell and levels to punishment, and there seems to be some indication of that in the Bible, uh, loosely at least, what do you do for somebody who, who murdered the prince of glory and then, and then refused to repent? I don't even want to know. <laughs> what, what, what exactly happened to, uh, to, to Judas when, when, when he killed himself? I don't even want to know what happened to him. It can't be good. Jesus said, it'd be better for you that you were not born. I don't know what that means. I don't want to find out. I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ and not go there. <laughs> All right, so but through Jesus Christ, he's telling them, here's your escape. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And the books of 1 and 2 Thessalonians uh, major heavily on the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to get a taste of that here. 1 Thessalonians 1 verses 9 through 10. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. Sorry, I just want to make sure I'm in the right place. Yeah. Manner of, of, of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, people often say, I mean, the Bible never says Jesus is God. How many times has it, just, has it told us now, his son, Jesus? That is the son of God, Jesus. That's who you're looking for. That's, that's who saved you if you trusted in him. And now you're waiting for him to come back and to get you. And he's going to. 
Jesus Christ is going to return and take his saints to be with him. He will call us up to meet him in the air. We have the rapture of the church where he'll come back to the clouds. We will meet him in the clouds and he will take us away. He won't come to the earth. He'll take us away. We'll go through some things there in heaven with the Lord. The tribulation would be going on here on earth. And then after seven years, we're going to mount up on horses with him and come back and put down all his enemies. Now, I don't know what we're going to do, <laughs> but I, I hope we at least just get to ride along and watch. <laughs> I mean, he might let us do something. I don't, he doesn't need our help, but it would still be fun to join in and all those people blaspheming God and cursing God. You know, that, that, that's the, the struggle with the Christian life is we wrestle not against principalities and power or against flesh and blood. We, we, we wrestle against principality and powers. So our battle is spiritual. So at no point do we take up arms and go kill people until we come back with Jesus. <laughs> and then he's going to lead the charge. And I mean, I don't know if we just get to watch the Lord do his thing or if we join in and are part of it. But whatever the case is, we, we return with him when he finally comes back and puts his feet on the earth in his second coming. All right. So, so we're, we're, we're waiting for that to happen. First John chapter one, just a couple more stops in the book of first John. And we will be done. First John chapter one. First John is it's a, it's a great book. Um, it can be a bit complex because of some of the wording and statements. It makes some bold, bold statements. Um, but first John chapter one. Let's read verses one through four. That which was from the beginning. Now, what would be the cross reference to that? There, there would be two. Who knows? John one one. What would be Genesis one one? So who's he referring to? He's referring to the God that created everything, who was the Word, and the Word was made manifest in the flesh, and they called his name Jesus. He is God, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the Word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Now, do you see the word there? Fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, verse 4, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. I want you to have this same fellowship. So we're going to write this book to help you understand the fellowship that you can have with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Look at verses um, uh, 6 and 7. Verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now that, that's it. All right, now, th this, is the this is the point or the, the, um, the notable idea surrounding fellowship. All right? We want to fellowship with God, but sometimes we do stupid things that could break that fellowship or hinder that fellowship. So you need to be cleansed. So it's good for you to go to God in prayer, confess your sins, and allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you, not to save you. You're already saved, but you want to maintain 
good fellowship with God. Now, when my children do something they're not supposed to do, and it makes their father angry, there's, there's some hindrance there in the fellowship. <laughs> All right? I have to deal with them. They don't like it. I don't like it. I'm angry that they did it. I'm angry because of what I have to now do because they did it. And they don't like receiving it. It hinders the relationship, at least momentarily. But then afterward, we sit down and we talk about it and we explain it. They apologize and, and, and assure me they're going to do better next time. And then fellowship is restored and we go, we go along our way. They don't stop being my child. <laughs> Once you become a child of the father, you don't stop being his child. But you need to make sure you're doing what you can to maintain good fellowship with your father. And you don't just take that for granted. I have been so wonderful every day that God is probably excited for my presence. That is not how that works. You should assume before you go to God that you have been dirty, your hands are dirty, your feet are dirty, and they need to be cleansed. And if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse you, and then fellowship can, can be maintained. All right, that, that's, that's, that's the whole point. That's the whole idea. Now let's finish with 1 John chapter 5. Actually, jump, jump to... Um, now, well, it's, that, that idea is repeated, that the love for one another. Um, uh, actually, I'm skipping two, two passages, but that's all right. We'll go to 1 John chapter 5. It's about time to wrap up, so you're not missing anything. You don't even want to know what they are. <laughs> 1 John chapter 3, verses 23 through 24. It talks about his commandments, and there are two of them. Well, let's just go there real quick, since Miss Pat's going to make me. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verses 20 through 24. It's an important idea, so, we, so let's not skip it. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because, and you see that, all right? Not, not, not because you're so wonderful, God's just going to give you everything you want. It's, there's a reason. Because we keep his commandments. Now, do you see how the word commandments is plural? All right, now, so here's the problem. People start getting the idea in their head. Oh, well, in the law, God gave more than 600 commandments. Then you get to the New Testament. Jesus gave a whole bunch of commandments. <laughs> I got to keep all those in order to have fellowship with God? No, no, you, you, you want to keep it in context. We want to make sure we're doing, we're, we're, we're obeying what it says here before we start searching for an answer somewhere else. All right, now, now, now pay attention to how it works. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight, verse 23, and this is his, what? Commandment. commandment. Okay, here's one of them. All right, we went from plural commandments. Here's the first of those commandments. Number one, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, here's number two, and love one another as he gave us, what? Commandment. Okay, so here are the commandments we have to keep. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're going to go to hell, and you're not a part of the body of Christ. Secondly, love the brethren and act like it. <laughs> Don't just say it. Demonstrate it. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey me. All right? That, that's, so if you love the brethren, you're going to demonstrate that you love the brethren. Right? Amen. Two people agree. Good. All right, so... Look at verse chapter 4, verse 10. It, it repeats that idea. Verse 10, 
uh, herein is love, not that we love God, but, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So it's the same, same idea. And if you read this whole passage, look at verse 1. I believe it's in verse 1. Beloved, let us love one another, for love, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And then he goes into what all that means and, and all that. So, so this is the idea. It, you know, keep my commandments. Okay, well, what are they, Lord? Believe on my son, or, or you have no lot with me. You have no part with me. And then love those who have done the same. Love the brethren. Love the church. Care for it. Provide for it. Meet its needs. Act like you love it. I love my children, and so I want to make sure they have what they need. I want to make sure they're protected. I want to make sure they're okay. Well, if you love the brethren, you're going to do the same, right? You're not just going to say, oh, I love the church. Well, what you did last week didn't really demonstrate much love. <laughs> not anybody in particular. Everybody's looking around like, well, who, what, what? <laughs> no, it just, you want to live like it, act like it. Now, 1 John chapter 5, uh, verses 9 through 13 if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God. Okay, now, I, I love statements like that. It couldn't be any more clear. Well, what is the witness of God? This is the witness of God. Here it is. I'm giving it to you right now. Right? Well, i got to search in the Bible. i got to go get some books. i got to watch some videos and find out what this witness of God is. No, this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. That's what he's talking about. All right, verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, okay? We went past the witness to the record. Well, what is this record? What's the record? Well, here it is. Uh, but, and uh, where, where did it go? Verse 11, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, that you may know without question, that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, oh, you mean, a, I thought I could just ask anything. Well, you can, according to his will. If you ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Now, look, jump down to verse 19, 19 through 21. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> That's not good. Right, but, but here's the solution, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, look, look at these words. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. That's what you get through the Son of God. Eternal life, a blessed hope, fellowship with God, fellowship with the brethren, 
the body of Christ, forgiveness of sins, salvation, uh, atonement, reconciliation. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on and on, and it all comes through his son. If you don't have the Jesus who is the son of God, you have the wrong Jesus. He is God the Son, and He is the Son of God. If you will trust in Him, your eternity just got real bright. If you don't trust in Him, your eternity will remain dark, and you will lift up your eyes in torment. I don't recommend that. When there's such an easy and gracious and wonderful escape, it's not like, well, let me weigh this thing out. You know, hell, heaven, you know, (laughs) There's no, there's no choice there. But it's better than that. You get to be with Jesus Christ. You get to rule and reign with Christ. You get to take part in his inheritance. You get to, there's just, the list, we could be here all night listing things that the Bible says are available to me and to you. And by the way, this is exclusive to the body of Christ. You have from the death of Christ until the rapture to take part in it. And that's it. When it's over, there's no more joining the body of Christ. It's done. These are exclusive benefits offered to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Join in now. Don't wait. I feel like one of those salesmen. You know, the time is running out. <laughs> but it is. Your life is but a vapor. It'll be over like that. And... You're going, to have to meet, you're going to have to meet with God. And you're going to have to, it's going to be determined. Did you trust in Jesus Christ? No. Okay. Open the books. Time for the judgment. And then you'll be cast into hell. And then eventually, you'll get a little break. You'll be brought out of hell, restored to your body, judged, and then thrown in the lake of fire. <laughs> Don't do that. Why would anybody do that? If there, if there is a chance of escape through Jesus Christ. All right. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast.